Welcome to the QAC Team podcast series with your host, Charles Luttrell. Our series features leaders and business owners in your community discussing the customer experience, employee satisfaction, and performance improvement. Our series will help share strategic ideas for coaching and mentoring through mystery shopping in a post-pandemic economy. And now here's your host, Charles Luttrell. I had the pleasure of speaking with Evan from Underground Pizza Company earlier. And let's go ahead and take a listen to that podcast. Hey, my name is Evan of Underground Pizza Company. I started this company in the pandemic as a, um, it really was just a cottage business, not even a cottage business at first, was making pizzas at home during COVID shutdown because my business in the concert industry and live entertainment was shut down. That essentially led to people offering me money and being like, hey, can we buy these pizzas? That which turned into at one point I was selling a hundred pizzas a week out of my house, which was wild. Um, then that's we started pretty doing impressive. Pop ups, <laughs> yeah, we were doing pop. Then we started doing pop ups, and we had a ghost kitchen, and that turned into we got a short term lease and now long term leases, and we're in a Baltimore City downtown in Power Plant, uh, Towson up by the Circle, right off campus, and um, uh. Silver Spring, right on Georgia Avenue, right outside of D.C., are our three locations. And we're working on new locations. Nice. And where are your new locations going to be located? We're looking We're, we're, we're looking at a project in Virginia. Oh, uh, nice. It should be pretty interesting. Uh, It'll kind of, this, this one will kind of cross over both businesses, which will be interesting. It'll be, <laughs> it'll, it'll be quite, a, quite an inception of my life. <laughs> oh, nice. I can't wait to. To hear about that we'll have to i'll uh, do yeah. another podcast when that one comes over yeah yeah <laughs> so you know my next question was going to be why did you decide to um business owner but i think you um pretty much cleared that up but if you want to talk a little more about I, that i mean i think i think early on like there there were things i think in the concert industry it was you either work for somebody or you work for yourself um with the goal of selling it to uh live nation and aeg i think that was kind of the the thought process when we were first doing being on the independent promoter track mm-hmm. and then it kind of took off i mean we used to do live music uh you know hip-hop shows live music local bands all that stuff and it kind of turned into all right well we were doing dance music stuff we had both me and my partner and that had both been active in going to shows and being you know being at dance music shows and being involved with other larger companies with that and um we just started throwing show like dubstep shows and then dubstep blew up and then we've kind of went on that track for about 14 years, 15 years. Okay. Um, and we had been doing, we had done some stuff in it before, but never as really independent promoter. Like mm-hmm. I, we had done some stuff individually, but as like Steve's promo was not really doing EDM in, you know, 2005, 2000, then, we, me and my partner happened to be working at the same venue club that did that stuff. Right. Were you involved in the, um, what is that festival that was at Preakness? Uh, Moonrise? Yeah, Moonrise. Did you guys get involved? Yeah, I was one of the founders. I was one of the founders of that festival. We, we oh, still own great. a small piece. Um, Insomniac, uh, owns that festival now. Oh, so, well. Which is awesome for us. We wanted to, you know, it, with the pizza thing and everything else going on and like how bad 
the industry, like, I mean, festivals didn't do well this year. We're actually, you know, our plates were just full. And so we were like, we had this opportunity to, you know, turn kind of turn the page on that festival and like move it over to insomniac and let them take, take over. Oh, okay. And, uh, that was, we took the opportunity. It was, you know, it was definitely a good one for us. Um, right. And so it's given us the opportunity, given, given me the opportunity to kind of focus more of my attention on pizza and not have, you know, th- running that festival was a full-time job in itself. I can imagine. Yeah. On yeah. top of, um, top of doing the regular, like two jobs, like it was like two full-time jobs. So yeah. I'm not having that on my plate was kind of a blessing this year. Right. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. So yeah. and my next question was going to be, you know, why did you choose, you know, the pizza industry? But I guess, like you said, you were, you were just kind of slinging it home and it was, yeah, Detroit style pizza. Cause there was nowhere in, I was living in it at the time. There was nowhere short of DC that was selling it. And, um, so I was driving down there and I was like, the pizza I was buying was just kind of, okay. I would say. Mm-hmm. And I was going every two, this was like my get out of the house for two hours thing. Um, every other week I would like drive on like a fr- drive down to DC. This, this went on for like three times, four times. And I would drive down and pick up pizza from Emmy squared. And I was like, it was just kind of okay. Um, they're known for their pizza, but I think their New York restaurants are much like much better than uh-huh. their, their other ones. Um, but the DC one was just kind of, and so yeah. I was like, I can probably make better pizza, like better Detroit style. And so I just started playing around with dough and then made some for my birthday. And then it turned into <laughs> it. And then all the, somebody, I, I forget who it was. Somebody like offered me money for one. And I was like, like a, <laughs> like a light bulb went off. Yeah. That, I saw, um, um, with Detroit style pizza and I, I've got pizza. I have pizza experience. I worked at the dining hall at the pizza station because I actually was the only one with pizza experience in the dining hall. And uh, I worked in high school at a pizzeria, but never mm-hmm. like making really, it was more driving, never making the pizza. But in college, it was making, making five to 700 pizzas every night. Um, right. For the, yeah, I yeah. saw on, I saw on, when I, when I read up, read the story, I saw that. I don't know how true this is. That's why, that's why I'm glad we're we're talking. Is it true there was somebody paid you a hundred dollars to make them a pizza and deliver it to them? Is that the right story? There was um to ship it to them. Somebody paid me dollars to like ship them a pizza. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that was like the story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that that's the one. That's like that. We had a group chat. That's what it was. We had a group chat during COVID that was a lot of industry people and like significant others and like. And like we all used to just post what we were cooking, right? And so I posted in that. I think that's where I posted it. And somebody in the chat was like, "I'll pay on those." And I was like, "I'll figure this out. I'll <laughs> figure it out." <laughs> like, definitely, definitely on shipping that pizza. I don't think I actually yeah. ended up doing pizza for pizza at his wedding in L.A. Like I flew out to L.A. Oh wow! Um, got I have a friend who does concessions and was doing the catering for the wedding and like went to their commissary and made pizza dough and like after dinner like 
party, blah, 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 all this. And then like the late night thing was like pizza. And I was like right. in the catering kitchen, like making pizza at like 11 o'clock at, night <laughs> at the wedding. That's great. So, that is a, that's a dedicated pizza man right there. I honestly should have just shipped, like I should have freighted dough out or something like that. Like would have probably been a smarter play than a little bit better. Yeah. It was right. a little stressful. Oh man. I I mean, it was stressful flying driving i got a car and then i like had to it's weird industry city in like la outside of la and like pick up the ingredients and then drive to like this commissary and unload the stuff and then like it was quite a uh task but i got it done and everyone loved the pizza so <laughs> that was an experience right i mean yeah you'll never forget it <laughs> and it was it was cool because it was like all right i and just show up at any kitchen and do this like and make it work it's kind of yeah that's that's what i love about ghost kitchens man it's like you can go anywhere yeah you got the ingredients man you can make whatever you want and right cut off but you can edit it uh one, yeah that's fine yeah so like um in it you know ghost kitchen if your food's simple enough and, and they have the basic that you know convection of whatever you need ranges fryers like you can go into most places and cook most kitchens have the basic equipment um right unless it's super com- you know super complex food you should be able to accomplish it in most kitchens right uh, right right and that so kind of opened up the game it, it, it the other interesting thing with ghost kitchens was it opened up the game for a lot of these places that don't have a fully like busy kitchen. Like I know right, some of right. these, I've read some articles on some of these companies, like Applebee's did an analysis of like how much of their line they're using and then figured out how to like rent out the percentage of the, the percentage they're not using for those times and like create other concepts off of it or whatever. And I have some friends who are doing that with their restaurant where like they're bar food, but then they're doing a Mexican concept that's and taco concept that's only a uber eats and like that's oh wow it's they you can build your own ghost concept within your own thing and just have a secret menu that people can order off of online right right and that's awesome that is awesome yeah see i want to, I want to talk a little bit of because i know i read the story about some of these places had went out during the pandemic and you kind of saw these as locations that would be good for your, for your, yeah, there was, um, type of, like your style, yeah. of, your style of pizza. Right. Well, there was, you know, I think it's location. Well, I think location from a macro is important uh, for us. We don't, in the traditional sense, like I don't look at like power plan is most restaurant owners look at power plan is, Oh, it's so hard to get people there. And like, they're not busy all the time. The foot trap traffic and i'm like well it's centrally located to 83 and it's centrally located to the east and the west side of the city so it makes sense for us because i know i can get people there and that's you know some of the places that went out during the pandemic like alazo it was kind of they had some family you know some stuff they wanted to shift their attention to um i think they had a death in their family and uh it was like they didn't want to do that location anymore. They had their Bethesda location. They had like two or three other restaurants over by Bethesda. And essentially 
I was like, this is great. It's just outside of DC. It's, it's in, which is not easy to get to, but like, I don't think anything easy to get to from other places <laughs> in Montgomery County. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's like 45 minutes from Gaithersburg to your location. I'm like, that's crazy to me because it's 45 minutes from Baltimore to Gaithersburg. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but it's, it's, you know, having a location that's, that's, easy to get to from the highway is located. You know, we, our delivery range reaches into DC, like hat. Those things are important. I think to, um, to, uh, a restaurant, how we are, like how we've structured this restaurant, which is high quality, high volume. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and then the Towson location was just an empty, I mean, that place has been empty for a while. It was empty for seven years. I found out from BG and E. So. Yeah, I was going to tell you that I think that place was empty for a while down there in Allegheny. So we tried to open and there was no gas service. The gas service is fine. Eventually they were like, oh, yeah, we cut off the gas service seven years ago. I'm like, well, that explains it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a challenge yeah. in itself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about your pizza a little bit because I had a chance to taste your pizza. And I was blown away. Yeah, the, the crust was, I mean, it's, it's as you advertise. The crust, when you bite into it, it's, it's a little hard on the outside. But then when you bite it, so moist and doughy on the inside. Yep. And I like, I like the concept of how the sauce is on top of all the toppings because I, I'm, a, I'm a pizza connoisseur, man. I love pizza. And this tops them all because... I'm not a real big sauce guy. So when I get the sauce mm-hmm. up top and then I get the toppings, man, it's just like, it, it just, you went right to my heart. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, the Detroit styles. I think we've taken a little bit of a different approach with some use a higher quality and create that, mm-hmm. that kind of that cross and that unique, um, some of the unique flavors and like, if you, if you read our reviews, it definitely goes over some people's heads and some people don't like it. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's, it's, you know, we're selling. Remind myself that I'll hyper-focus on like one negative review or like, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, look, we're selling. We did this month. I don't know what we did. I need to look at last month, but we're on track to do like 10,000 tickets across the three restaurants this month. Like, that's pretty impressive, tickets, yeah. Meaning, like, you know, wow. each ticket's two to four people. Like, we're talking about 40,000 people are choosing our pizza. And, like, yeah, we're there, but it's, it, I know something right if we're selling as much pizza as we're selling. And right. so, um, and we, we just kind of do like trip sometimes. Like, I try and tend, I try to keep my head down. And yep. we're on track i know we're on a mission Mm -hmm. i know we're we're hitting all of our goals we're moving faster than i thought we would like all of that's you know i I think when i time when i talk to restaurant people i was in the industry and i'll talk about numbers because i want to i want not in a braggy way in a can you tell me that i'm doing this right because like i'm not i have no i haven't other than the the i'm not could you know a restaurant before i delivered right. pizza in high school <laughs> like that was that's <laughs> the main 
It's a really he's good like, pizza, but you know, and he's like, I didn't. Move. He's like, I didn't run a place. I just <laughs> delivered them. <laughs> but we've, you know, and we've looked at things. I'm like, what? I go to like a restaurant. Like I go to my friend's restaurant, and I see his front of house people. Like I won't put a phone line in. Like why do you need to call? Like so I can fifty people a day calling us to ask sizes and how many people they feed. That's on the like so mm-hmm. that even when they call now, if they call our phone, it gives them a message, text line only, and they get a text message back. If you have these questions are frequently just to avoid it it's just like looking at all those things and then looking at our our food and going well what's going to make this stand out what's going to make it different and it's quality ingredients like i I, a a funny example is like everyone's oh we make our own cheese we make our own cheese and i'm like i got into a deep conversation with this the guy's like a mathematician and a pizza connoisseur and a food uh (laughs) he's like a food and i would not a food antagonist he's like a he like calls out toxic people in the food industry but um oh one of those yeah we were talking about cheese and i was like look like i would make my own cheese but like i feel like if i'm buying curds off the back of a truck and not all curds are i don't know anything about making cheese i know almost nothing i know i can buy cheese from like certain cheese vendors and it's better but like i'm like not all curds are created equal right right so like i got into this conversation with him and on Saturday, I found a dairy in Hartford that sells cheese curds. And I'm like, this has to be better than the cheese curds I can buy off the back of the truck. So when I say the back of the truck, it's like the food suppliers. Mm-hmm. But like, not all, like I know if I'm getting local milk and, you know, grass-crazed cows and all this stuff, this cheese has to be better. If my And I have a guy that can make cheese, but... So I bought cheese curds, but it's just like, that's how we look at everything. I'm just like, well, what we, we make our own ranch. Like, Oh, it's wow. It's not that difficult, but it's not that common. Like most people right. just buy a thing at Ken's and sell it. And we did that for a while. And like people, you know, people complain, like people are like, Oh, like fucking $2 for ranch. Excuse me. It's not allowed, but I'm just <laughs> All like, right, fine. You're good, yeah, you're like, good. we're making it from like, bought like quality buttermilk and like ingredients by hand. like every single dressing on our menu, except the blue cheese at this point. Mm-hmm. which we only have because we have wings. Every dressing on our menu is made from scratch. Every sauce is made from scratch, except wow. for our, our buffalo sauces are made from scratch. But like mm-hmm. hot honey, red sauce, vodka sauce, pesto, everything. Corto mm-hmm. olive oil from California, which is the best taste on the market, like mm-hmm. for, for food service. Right. Newsflash to everyone listening. Italy is not sending us our, their best olive oil. Like anybody want like like literally, I came to this realization because I we used to buy these forty six dollar a case San Marzano tomatoes and like I was like we have to be using San Mars for these because it's like you know it's San Mars and like you know the genetics and the the phenotypes and the you know those tomatoes are the best and they're and then one day the Stanislaus rep came in and was like taste this can of tomatoes and I tasted that and I tasted the Stanis the the San Mar- Mars tomatoes and I was like. Stanislaus is better and it's like that was the day I realized and I also tasted Corto that day for the first time and I said Italy's not sending us their best stuff they're just not <laughs> why would yeah they? Uh, I you know I, I heard like, about um Stanislaus tomatoes man they're like they're like the top phenomenal man. tomatoes and we do our cook time because we don't 
my whole thing with the tomato sauce, you noticed it's a little sweet. We don't use any sugar. We use a spe- there's two specific s- strains of carrots that we use. Mm-hmm. We use a bolero carrot, or we use a um, mochum carrot, which is an even higher sugar content. We use that to cut the acid because I think with a thicker crust pizza, the sweeter sauce is better. Yeah. Um, I don't. And what's funny is like I use some of our sauce on some thin crust. I was working on. I was like, this is disgusting because like <laughs> I think the sweet tomato sauce <laughs> on the thin crust doesn't work. But like when we went through this process with Stanislaus, like we cut our cook down time, our cook time on our sauce cut for, by seventy percent because there's such a brilliant flavor and they're canned so fresh and so quickly. It's eight hours from vine to can. Right. At the Stanislaus facility. Mm-hmm. And that preserves a flavor that like, I don't have to sit there and beat up the tomatoes to get a good flavor on, on the stove. And that's, it was taking us three hours to cook tomato sauce, with the tomatoes right. from Italy because they just weren't good. They weren't as good. They were almost putrid in comparison to, um, to the Stanislaus tomatoes. Right. Right. And that's great. Yeah, I definitely, um, when I tasted your pizza, that was, like I said, it's the first time I ate it. Yeah. And I eat a lot of pizza, man. And I'm a big Papa John's fan just because of the oh, no. the taste. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's familiar. It's funny because I talk about when I'm like, a lot of places are popular because they're familiar. Because they're familiar. Right. right. Yep. And it's when we were talking, I was talking to, um, my girlfriend about grotto pizza yesterday and we were talking and uh i was like people just eat it because it's beach pizza we're down at the beach we're down in rehoboth right now and i was like mm-hmm. it's popular because people grew up eating it and it's familiar and that's yeah. it and like, they've been around for good. like i had it for the first time probably five years ago and i was like this pizza is awful <laughs> but like i would probably go home to like certain pizza places that i grew up with and other people who like Grotto would probably be like, this pizza's awful because <laughs> it's just, it would just be familiar. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, your pizza takes the top. I mean, I've, I've eaten a lot of pizza. I mean, yeah, pizza's my favorite. That. Yeah. And your pizza tops, man, I, when I ate it, I was, I was reluctant because I'm not a real deep dish, thick crust guy. I'm, I like, you know, like the Papa John's crust, a little thinner, you know, bite into it, but this when i've been into your crust man it just took me right to heaven <laughs> yeah i appreciate that <laughs> that's where we're going. It's, it was really good. <laughs> it's like you know it's got the salt it's got the sweet it's got you know the, the parmesan add some and that's just i think the sauce the tomatoes are it's a brilliant flavor i mean i get into arguments with people on the internet all the time who are like your pizza sucks and i'm like it doesn't suck your taste sucks but it's just like it's um you can't please everybody you know no i I, I, oh we're going we're either not gonna we're gonna roast them on yelp (laughs) um it's kind of our aesthetic but uh no and we i know so like we i am i'm sure about our pizza the quality of our pizza because i'm so upset it right there's like things we use a butter in the pan. That's a it's a grass fed butter. That's like one of our wow. secrets. But I don't even like we. I've said it so many times that I'm just like it's not a secret anymore. Not I guess, a secret anymore. Right? Somebody, <laughs> I had somebody brought in like that, like like commodity butter. I would call it. Uh-huh. And I had it. I walked in. 
one day and saw it and I love my shit. Like love. Yeah. Like like I mean really like probably the one of the angriest I've ever been in the restaurant, but I'm just like this is literally literally our whole identity and somebody's just like, Oh, I couldn't find I, I didn't want to go to Costco or I couldn't find it or they didn't have it, so we just ordered this and I'm just like, yo, like this is not <laughs> not it <laughs> this, this, we're not doing this again you know, when we're talking about like you know when we use heavy cream it's like 40 percent fat cream from like it's like good heavy cream and just sure we could do 36 percent. no one would know but like they might subconscious <laughs> yeah oh i hear you um i hear you yeah so so you started in the pandemic in 2020 uh-huh. when, when times were crazy and difficult and i remember you know, going through downtown Bel Air. I live in Abingdon, mm-hmm. and I go through downtown Bel Air, and it's like ghost town, nobody around. Right. So, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I hold the restaurant industry near and dear to my heart. You know, and how has how has the pandemic changed? Because I know you started during the pandemic, and now we're coming out of it. What What's different? What are your How's your business model changed? Has There's it changed not any? so so we've seen like. Obviously, takeout was an important thing, but when we started, I think it was in that phase of like people trying to come up for air in that first quarter of 2020. Mm-hmm. One, yeah, 2021. Um, so people wanted to go out, right? The people who restaurants were starting to reopen, but we were on limited capacity. And then you saw, um, and then you saw a boom in the summer business. And the spring and fall, like our, our dining area, like we have a huge outdoor dining area downtown and it was so busy and it was, but what we also saw was, and this is something we've been talking a lot about internally, when that first chill hit, it was the first weekend after Halloween combined mm-hmm. with daylight savings time, which I wish they were getting rid of that because, mm-hmm. and it was a goat, like our dining, like our food just, it dropped off, like okay. We saw, we have weeks right now that are rivaling what we did last November total. Mm -hmm. And like, it was scary how slow things got in November. They picked up again in in December, but what happened was our our takeout business took off and it's continued to take off and grow. And our our dine-in, like, it was good. Like, I'm not shaking a stick at it. We we do a good amount of dine-in, but it's not like what it was last year. But now our takeout business is so good and our delivery business that it doesn't it doesn't even matter. Okay. Um so that's the change that we saw, I think, is is people have shifted. They're not so obsessed with outdoor dining and they're not I think when everything opened back up, you we were we were in a there was no competition. A lot of places were closed, a lot of places weren't doing dining, a lot of places were out of business. There wasn't a lot. I wasn't competing with the aquarium and the zoo. And you know what I mean? Like there's all those. I wasn't competing with events and concerts, but at the same time, like we were busy because we were open and now we're, we have the benefit of things around the corner from the Fillmore. So we're getting business from that Uh, power plants back open. Um, I did one of the first back in, in the fall, in the summer at power plant, the first, allowed to have concerts mm-hmm. again I've seen like power plants busy every weekend ramshead has a calendar again sound stages like so we're seeing that as well so um right learning kind of having to learn to be to exist 
with the world being normal was our change out of COVID because we've never had to do that before. Right, right. And then do you see an uptick in in people coming and dining in your locations now? Is that is that starting to it's come just up? it's been steady. Um it wasn't last summer was crazy. like comparing a lot of the numbers. Sure. Last summer was crazy with dining because we had the huge outdoor and it was busy every every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. The outdoor area. Because people wanted to eat outdoors. Right. And people and, and people wanted to get out of their house and eat again. Right. They were tired of being stuck in. <laughs> Much it just wasn't as busy. You know, there wasn't so many things to do. Mm-hmm. So we have we had this advantage that we were open and we were able to do high volume, but our our takeout and delivery grown so much that like if we do see a drop our numbers in our number we did last november it won't even matter at this point Mm -hmm. but that's that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good great anything else you want to add no i mean we're just we're excited to be here we're come check us out uh if you're into into or fine dining pizza (laughs) now We're just, it's just high quality pizza. You know, there's, there's, we just like to showcase local flavors um, when we can, local produce, highlight local farmers. Right, right. Trying to, trying to do the best we can. Right. Awesome. So, one last thing, obviously, you know what I do, right? You know what my business is about. Mm-hmm. And I happen to do a little secret shop when you're Towson location. <laughs> okay. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, okay. I, I like to talk to, yeah, <laughs> I like, like to talk to you about it. If you, you know, if you have some time to talk about it, maybe off the air, we can yeah, sure. we can sit down and talk about it. Yeah. We're, um, we're always open. There's things we're just learning. Um, and there's, we're just always learning. So. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where I come in. You know, I, I like to, you know, show business owners, you know, that there's constant growing. And if you're, if your industry, if your restaurant is, you know, doing what your mission is, it'll be a successful hit. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how we look at, we look at, I'm trying to look three to six months ahead at all times on like, right. this is going to, this is going to be, I'll say to my, my team under me, like, this is going to become a problem because this, this, and this, right? right. Like we had, and this was a big thing. So isn't anymore. Like it's a big point of contention last fall. Mm-hmm. I remember that the middle of September, I said, I looked around and I said, we're going to lose all this outdoor dining as soon as it gets cold and come up with outdoor dining. That was right. my thought. And it, it just never got done. Mm-hmm. And so like we lost all the dining in November. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it just went away. But like, that's an example of how I look at every bit. I'm looking and going, this is shifting. Like we need to be ready for this shift. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Did you leave a review online that said, "Hey, can you, that, that said you wanted to talk about it?" Nope, that was not okay. me. Somebody else said I. I <laughs> the review I forgot to reply to. Somebody wanted to talk about something. Well, yeah, no, nope. wanted to give some nope. feedback I'm, about everything was. Good yeah, I'm very under. I'm very undercover with it, man. I, I like cool. to speak directly to the business owner. You know, yep. that's, that's how I operate. But one last thing I want to ask you was because according to the National Restaurant Association. They were talking about um, from the time you acquire an employee till 
the turnover. They're saying on average it's five thousand nine hundred eighty-four dollars. Can you can you verify that? What what is it? What does it cost to acquire an employee? I have no idea. You don't know either. <laughs> we should look at that. I mean, it's in terms yeah. of like. I mean, if we had to average, like, are you talking about like the hours that the management spends training them and all of that? Yeah, like, from the be- from the beginning. Like, let's say you're putting ads out, you're looking to hire, you you spend the time interviewing, you spend the time going over the application. And what did what was their assessment? They said on the average it was five thousand nine hundred and eighty four dollars. I don't know. It's that. For a restaurant, uh-huh. well, it doesn't cost us that much, but <laughs> it probably costs us like a thousand bucks, maybe yeah. eight seven fifty. I don't, I, I would put because we're we're very rigid and we're very, it's all compartmentalized and like we do our training is like on the job, mm-hmm. and you train through like different roles, right? And it, so, that was that's what I was going to ask you if you do have a training program, something that. You know, you it, hold your employees you start, accountable to. Right. And you start at a very low level of like answering text messages and like handing out to go orders. Uh-huh. And then you get, then you move up. Then you nice. move up. And, that, and that's, and then we'll train you to bartend and we'll train you to, to manage and we'll train, like, train you to close and like train you to be a lead. Like, we do all of that stuff. So if anybody wants to work with us, like, feel free. We pay really well too. We also, we pay all staff. Servers, anyone in the tip pool gets a minimum of $12 an hour to wages in Maryland. And then uh-huh. kid minimum 15 an hour. And there's a tip pool that goes to the kitchen too, because their, their ability to put out the food is just as important as everyone's serving. Man, um, you know, you, you nailed it, Evan. I, I tell you, man, because I was just about to talk about that, how, we, we seem to forget about the process of when a customer comes in your location, they're not just eating your food, man. It's, you got a host or a hostess, you have a server, you have people cooking that food and all of those people combined really is what makes that customer's dining experience. You know? Right. And you have to incentivize people. to. Move. I mean, we're not turning over 600 pizza tickets in Baltimore because like with a slow kitchen, like it just, right. it's not possible. And some of the stuff we do, like I've talked to other pizza people, and tell them like, Hey, we're doing this and this. And they're like, Oh, wow. And then they'll ask us, they'll say, Oh, so you're doing this much thinking our ticket number is one number. And I'm like, no, we're doing like this much. And they're like, wow. Like how much we're doing per ticket, how much we're like, all of it is just law big. And it's, it's a testament to the team working together and like being able to put out volume and having the equipment and being incentivized to do so. So a hundred percent it's, it's, it's a team thing. Um, right. And we also yeah, do stuff. I've heard some really sketchy practices by restaurant owners, like takeout tips, going the restaurant, just keeping those. So like those obviously go back to the, to the team and like, do like, there's just thing, there's just ways that like, I think restaurants shave off the top on some of those tips and like making sure those all go, go back, not just go back in, but get just. Dis- I think you went blank again. I was. <laughs> it went blank again. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you went blank again. Um, we were just talking about the tips, how they were. You know, I, I think you nailed it pretty good. That you're giving the tips to who it who it matters because 
I talked to several employees who are servers, and that's one of their biggest gripes is, you know, they're not getting the tips that they should be getting, you know? Right. I mean, there's there's situations where, like, takeout tips, restaurants will just keep those. I'm like, we give those, like, we pay overtime. Like, I talk to people who are like, yeah, I used to pull 80 hours a week at this place. And I'm like, you got overtime, right? And they're like, no. I'm like, but I don't. I guess it's just not audited often. And the, there's so many rat when you think about it, there's so many restaurants. So like auditing to see who's paying overtime. Right, right. Right. And plus there's new rules, right? About the the hours that they work, so many hours. They have you have to give them all these benefits. So they keep them part time and under those I think it's under twelve. Oh hours. yeah, there's that. Yeah, I think it's it's for us, it's once we hit fifty something employees and we're already looking at medical plans to implement because like right. just playing by the rules because we have we're we're shooting for the so <laughs> I I'm with you, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I other like I've heard horror stories about how other restaurants do it. Mm-hmm. And we're just we're focused on what we're doing and just making sure our the in order for me to focus elsewhere and make sure we can continue to grow and make sure putting asses in seats, I don't want to be worrying about is an employee happy and treating our customers correctly. And like the way to do that is make sure they're getting paid correctly. <laughs> man, that, that's perfect. Exactly. That's where it starts, man. And, you know, I actually um, talked to a guy and he, he was very unhappy. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, they're not paying me enough. Right. And I said, well, you know, restaurants can only pay so much. They only make so much. And I said to him, I said, what if I could tell you I pay you 50 cents less an hour, talk to you about my program, and you get you to work twice as hard? He said, you would never do it. And you know what? 15 minutes after that conversation, I'll tell him what I did with my incentive program. He said, you know what? I'm sold. You got me. I would do it. <laughs> right. It's amazing, you know, yeah. how if you just care about your employees, man, they'll work. 100%. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely have to. You absolutely have to create that culture, yep. um, to get the output that you want. Yep. And you've got the food, man. I'm telling you, I love it. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna promote it. I got some some pictures. I'm gonna throw up, man, and on social media for you. I, I really, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I did. I, I liked the pizza. My kids liked it too, man. And and you got something here, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm looking to see 5,000 underground pieces around, around the country, you know? Yeah, that's where we're, we're – I, I don't know how we get there, but we're, we're looking at it. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, awesome. Evan, well, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, dude, my pleasure, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, man. And um, let's uh, catch up after this call and um, get some time to sit down and meet and talk to each other, man. See what can right, help cool. you. Sounds All good. right, buddy. All thanks right, for buddy. your time, Evan. You've been listening to the QAC Team Podcast with your host, Charles Luttrell. Today, we took you beyond the restaurant table and into the kitchen with leaders and business owners in your community. For more information, visit us at QACteam.com or Facebook and Instagram at QAC.team. Thanks for listening.